Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Terry Cheney will join us to discuss modern madness. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Mental illness is one of those issues that oftentimes hides in the darkness, but joining us today to discuss is Ms. Terry Cheney. Ms. Cheney is the author of the New York Times bestseller Manic, a memoir which was translated into eight foreign languages. Her writings and commentary about bipolar disorder have been featured in such outlets as the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and the Huffington Post. She's a member of the board of directors of the Sachs Institute for Mental Health Law, Policy, and Ethics at USC, the honorary board of directors of the International Bipolar Foundation, and board of directors of Project Return Peer Support Network. She has penned the new book, Modern Madness, an owner's manual, and she joins us today to discuss this issue for a general audience. And Ms. Cheney, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, certainly our pleasure. Certainly a very uh, personal and profound book you've written here. And I'm curious why you decided to put this book together. Well, it seemed to me that I got much better after I wrote Manic, uh, my first book. Before that, I had just kept my bipolar disorder a secret to everyone except my doctors. I was a successful entertainment lawyer, and I really hid out about it, including even hiding out under my desk when I was depressed. So I found after I came out in Manic that my mood improved. I got more stable. I just realized that writing about my illness is probably the best therapy and medication I can take. Issues of mental health, particularly in the current climate, might be brought more to the fore. Do you think that's a book that we need now more than ever? Oh, absolutely. I think COVID-19 has launched a second pandemic, and that's a mental health crisis in America. I know that since the lockdown started, calls to suicide prevention hotlines have gone up a thousand percent. And there was a recent Census Bureau questionnaire where one third of Americans self-identified as anxious or depressed, clinically anxious or depressed. So I think it's absolutely something that needs to be dealt with now because so many people who have never experienced, for example, depression or anxiety before to understand what it's like for the rest of us on a daily basis. The organization of the book is very interesting. You, you put it as an owner's manual. I'm curious why you decided to organize it in this fashion. <laughs> well, that actually started out because I was trying to put a vacuum cleaner together. and There are all these scary and weird attachments, and I had to get out the owner's manual, and it just dawned on me, wouldn't it be great? You know, mental illness is a scary and frightening topic. And wouldn't it just be wonderful if there was an owner's manual that could explain it to people? So I just started thinking about it and I came up with the idea of subdividing my own stories into categories like troubleshooting and maintenance and warranties, instructions for use. And I thought that would be a good way for people to have sort of a primer on 
mental illness and what it looks like and what can be done about it. I think this really makes it very accessible or issues that really aren't discussed very much. Did approaching each of these things take the same form or were there slightly different tacks for each of the different types? I really wanted to describe, as I said, what mental health looks like, what mental illness can present as. That was important to me so that people could identify it and have some compassion for it. But I think in some of the stories are more about uh, relationships. I wanted to broaden this book out to people who not only have a diagnosis, but also love and care for people who do, families, friends, and mental health care workers. So I thought it was important to both combine expert research along with personal story. I thought that would be the best way to look at the inside and the outside of mental illness. I mean, there, there are a number of stories. Are, are, are there any common threads, do you think, between the different stories that you've heard about since you became active in this realm? Well, I've certainly heard a lot of stories since I've uh, come out of the closet, so to speak. Um, and I think that there is something universal that seems to cut across rage, uh, excuse me, race, age, gender, nationality, or even diagnosis. And that's that people are desperately trying to connect and not feel so alone. And it's ironic because mental illness really is more common than people understand. One in five Americans is taking a mental health medication. So I think uh, feeling alone with your mental illness really doesn't comport with the statistics. Why do you think it's so hard to come out about one's issues mentally? You know, it doesn't make much sense to me because mental health is physical health and and we don't hesitate to talk about our thyroid problems or our strained ankle or it just, I have a hard time understanding the stigma about mental health and why it's maybe because it's frightening and unpredictable for people because they don't feel they know someone who has this condition, but I can pretty much guarantee that you do know someone. And that's why I think disclosure, uh, letting people know that you have a mental health condition is really what has to happen for stigma to finally, finally disappear or at least get better. Uh, We need to put a familiar face on this unfamiliar condition. There's a lot of misunderstanding behind mental illness. What do you think some of the biggest ones are? There's a tremendous misunderstanding of how common it is. I just read that the World Health Organization said that depression is the largest cause of disability worldwide. It's the leading cause. It's everywhere. It's your neighbor. It's your coworker. It's your lover. Or maybe it's you. And I think not knowing that and not understanding that makes it foreign and makes it frightening. And again, it's something that if we only talked about it, we'd realize it really is pretty commonplace. I'm just curious if any of these stories were you emotionally in, in terms of presenting it in the book. Yes, there were a couple that were particularly difficult to write. There's one where I went out to buy a pistol to kill myself with. And being me, it had to be a beautiful pistol. It had to be a pearl-handled pistol I had this fantasy about. And This was before gun laws really were stringent in California, and I was able to buy it. There was a short waiting period, and during that waiting period, my therapist called me every hour on the hour, 
because he knew I was in a very bad place. And I realized that it wasn't just me I would be killing. I would be hurting so many people if I actually did commit suicide. So the pistol still is waiting in that gun shop in Beverly Hills, thank God. But that was a difficult story to remember and to write about. There, there are also moments where traumas, in a way, sort of laugh out loud moments. <laughs> Tell us a bit about those. I appreciate that you say that because I think there's a lot that's funny about my circumstances because my emotions are pretty intense and extreme. And I believe extremity leads to absurdity. So I've been blessed with this ability to sometimes step out of my my um, circumstances and just see how crazy they are, how, how extreme my behavior is or my feelings about something. And it makes me laugh. And I have a pretty dark sense of humor, but I'm, I'm always thrilled when people say they can, they, they apologize for laughing while reading my book, which I think is, is just lovely. Those with mental illness and those who know people with mental illness really to kind of take from the book. I think I'd like people to just have the understanding that mental health is physical health. It's so very physical when you're depressed. You can't move. You can't breathe practically. You just, you know that it's your brain chemistry is going awry. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask Stephen Hawking to jump out of his chair. So why would you ask a depressed person to just snap out of it? I think knowing that mental health is physical health will, is a message that will get us out of stigma and really lead us to enlightenment on this issue. For those with mental illness, I mean, what do you think are the steps they should take to acknowledge oneself? Yes, your phrase acknowledgement is so important. Just educating yourself about mental illness and being able to recognize the particular course of your own disease is so important, your symptoms, your triggers. But once you are able to do that, it is essential to reach out and get help. And for most people with bipolar disorder, that means getting medication. And if you can, finding a psychiatrist or even better, a psychopharmacologist, that's someone who strictly manages your mental health medications, is really important because it's as much of a an art form as it is a skill. You know, it's science, but science with a lot of empathy mixed in. And you need to be in a very close relationship with your doctor, I think, so that they can tweak the medications as necessary to just where you're at. Misgivings or reservations about medications for mental illness could lead to dependency. Are there ways for addressing those type of concerns? Well, certainly medications are something that I do about a lot. I do take a lot of them, and I feel I've earned the right to uh, moan about them. But for all the complaining that I do, I still think medication is our last best hope because it is, again, a physical disease. It's a brain chemistry disorder, and that needs to be treated like any other illness. So it's important to stay medication compliant, but it's also very important to be in close contact with your doctor. So you're, so when you are experiencing side effects, and, and quite often you do, they can prescribe something else or they can prescribe something to take care of the side effects, which is quite frequent. And 
I'm living proof that medication works. I should not be alive today, given my suicidality and the depth of my depressions. But I'm alive. I've had a successful career and I'm generally a happy person. So much of mental health is governed by mental health policy. What's something that you'd really like to see changed about mental health policy? I have a particular uh, subject that bothers me, and that's parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y. There's supposed to be coverage for mental health conditions is supposed to be at the same level as physical conditions. And we have laws that say that that is the policy, but it's not really strictly enforced to the degree that it should be. And until we realize that mental health is equally as important and essential as physical health, there can really be no meaningful concept of parity. Here in California, we've just passed, I believe this past week, a stricter law that is going to try to give some teeth to the existing parity laws. So I'm excited about that, and I'd like to see that happen across the nation. In the final story, passage just beginning, you reach a place where you're just the present moment. And do you think that the trends in mental health, are you holding out hope for the future? I'm actually quite hopeful. And strangely enough, it's because our circumstances are so bad right now during COVID. And I think that it's had a tremendous psychological impact on the whole country. And I believe that people who haven't experienced mental illness before are really seeing what it's like to live without a mind that does your bidding all the time. And that is a terrifying thing to go through. And I think it will raise compassion and awareness and really fight stigma. I think it's very ironic, but I think we won't emerge from these times unchanged. And that's grounds for hope. See if you have any uh, final words regarding your book, Modern Madness been wonderful to talk to you. And I think people who are interested in science and medicine will find this a very interesting book because I do get into the expert research about different conditions and the medical breakthroughs that are happening every day. So it's called Modern Madness for a reason. We were just talking with Ms. Terry Cheney. She's the author of the new book, Modern Madness, an owner's manual. And Ms. Cheney, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Oh, thank you very much. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.